Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is the Ken Carmen Show. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loans studio. National Mortgage Lender Quicken Loans. Apply simply. Understand fully mortgage confidently. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. We got calls. We'll get to the calls also. I'm going to make picks. I just don't think you care. I'll bring in Tom and I'll bring in Zim for that. 855-212-4227. I, I got to get to the phones here. Conrad in Milwaukee. He's been the most patient. I want to get to him first. He wants to talk about Aaron Rodgers. He's next up on CBS Sports Radio. Conrad, go. Hey, here's the deal. Green Bay, this is uh, – I'm going to be eager to see what's been going on because over the last couple of years, it's been an absolute freaking circus. You know, you can't pick family, and I bleed green and gold, and it just feels like every year – Ever since we went 15-1, and one, it's just been kind of like an excuse of something that's been going on. If you guys have ever actually seen some of the footage from training camp, when you mm-hmm. see Aaron bouncing the ball off the turf so it, so it lands in a basket, and we're supposed to jump up and down and say, go, Aaron, way to go. I'm so sick and tired of it. I believe Mike McCarthy's actually a pretty darn good coach, but I believe he's got an absolute prima donna that acts like he's humble, and I'm pretty much sick of it. I've never seen anything like it before in my life except for him, and it feels like we're on the verge of going into the uh, Bart Starr era where Bart Starr didn't really know how to coach. So it's some pretty bleak-looking times here, so I hope this coach can actually get it done. If Mike McCarthy ended up over in the Jets next season, if this guy can't get it done, you're going to end up with a pretty darn good team out there. I was really looking forward to him going to Cleveland and seeing him get some stuff done there, but it doesn't seem like he actually wanted to go. That's well, all my guy is, Ken Carmen. Later. Conrad, thank you very much for the call. There's a lot to unpack there. One, you said you can't pick your family. That's true. Aaron Rodgers would probably pick different people if he could. Second of all, there's got to be some blame towards Danica Patrick. She never won a race in NASCAR. Now she's she's dating Aaron Rodgers. His career's been nothing but a wreck ever since they dated. Boom. Third, for Mike McCarthy, uh, this is going to be the interesting thing, and it's not going to affect Aaron Rodgers overall. It's not like we're going to look at the final years of Aaron Rodgers and it's going to affect his overall body of work. I don't think it is. We always want to remember people the very best. However, if Mike McCarthy ends up getting a job somewhere else and he ends up being successful with a young quarterback maybe here in the next couple of years, he'll take a year off, he'll have a breather. I wanted him to go to I wanted him to go to the Jets. I was intrigued with him coming to Cleveland, but I got to admit it was stick and move anytime I talked about McCarthy here in Cleveland because people don't like Mike McCarthy. He's gotten all the blame from the Aaron Rodgers scenario. And I want to see what Aaron Rodgers does with Matt LaFleur because for Aaron Rodgers, some of this is explainable. You're 35 years old going on 36 in the next year, if I'm not mistaken. I want to take a look at that, but either way, you're still in your mid to late 30s. You have one Super Bowl, and you've had serious injuries over the last four years. The clock's ticking. And Aaron Rodgers is no idiot. Aaron Rodgers knows that. But I think that that pressure is getting to him. The exposés, the pieces, the think pieces are coming out about are we overrating Aaron Rodgers. I think he's very cognizant of that type of thing. I think he's very cognizant of legacy and about how he'll be remembered. 
And with one Super Bowl, you know, we brought up Br- Drew Brees, and I was reading it just yesterday. Drew Brees, well, he's got one Super Bowl. He's got no MVPs, but he's one of the most prolific quarterbacks of all time. And I think we like talking about Drew Brees because he's such a good guy and he's so well-known as being a good guy. We like to say he's underrated. It's become an overrated thing to say that Drew Brees is underrated. Everybody knows the Saints were nothing before Drew Brees and they'll have a possibility to be nothing after Drew Brees. Everybody and their brother knows that. For Aaron Rodgers, you're with an historically great franchise and because of what we've seen in the public, it has a tendency to change people's perception. And we look at Aaron Rodgers over the last couple of years and go, what have you done? You've won the division. You've gone in like a house of fire into the postseason. You've gone in struggling into the postseason. You've been hurt. You haven't been able to give us what we've wanted out of a prolific, legendary quarterback of this generation. And now you're looking again to the mid to late 30s. You're running out of time. And I think Aaron Rodgers knows that, and I think it's starting to worry him. Tom Brady could quit today before this came tomorrow his legacy will be solid. Aaron Rodgers, we love to argue about him. And over the course of time, I'm reading things from Charles Robinson, and I'm reading things from other writers about how there was an argument, our arguments going on during games about play calling with Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. You're sabotaging yourself if you're not going to give each other a chance. So we'll find out coming up this year. If him and Matt LaFleur go off and they end up taking back the NFC North and and they end up doing what the Packers are, are, are picked to do every single year, it's going to make Mike McCarthy look a lot worse. If they're still second place, third place, beating around with the Vikings, if the Bears are still at the top, it's going to make Aaron Rodgers, It's going to it should put Aaron Rodgers in a different light, at least for these last years. But again, over the course of time, People remember Aaron Rodgers as one of the greatest quarterbacks who ever lived and certainly one of the greatest quarterbacks of this generation. Mike in Oregon, you're next up on, on CBS Sports Radio. Go ahead. Mike. Yeah. Mike, go ahead, hey, friend. Yeah, and I just wanted to reiterate a little bit on what you were talking about earlier about Antonio Brown. I'm a Steelers fan, and it's like the last two or three weeks, every time that comes up, I'm like, holy crap, man. Give me a <laughs> Like, this is all his fault. It's like there is no, never been a, a receiver in the history of the NFL that was any good that wasn't a diva. It's like, good grief, man. Randy Moss, and he was catching balls from from uh, when he played for New England yeah. from Tom. And it's like, if you didn't throw him the ball, he'd walk off the field. Yep. It's like, <laughs> give me a freaking break, man. Please. I feel the same, Mike, I feel the same way you do, and I thank you very much for the call, my friend, because I brought it up in the opening segment. I was waiting two weeks to talk about Antonio Brown. I was sick last week. I couldn't do it. This week, we're right as rain. We're ready to go, and I I opened up with the playoffs, and I opened up with Antonio Brown, and I just think it's ridiculous that Antonio Brown is being used as a scapegoat for the disastrous season for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He deserves a little bit of credit for why it went wrong. Absolutely. He's a major league player on that football team. But he's not a leader. And I don't but I don't expect wide receivers to be leaders. I don't expect that. If I'm assigning blame, I usually look to quarterback first, because you're the one who has the keys to the entire franchise. I look to head coach second. I'll look to the general manager. I think Keith Butler deserves some blame. Then maybe I would get to Antonio Brown. That's that that's my line of thinking. 
You're gonna let Anto- you're gonna let one guy out of fifty three, a wide receiver, and yeah, I know he's God's gift to, to receiving footballs. I got it. I know he is at times the best wide receiver in the game. I know he's number one, but you're gonna let that destroy the entire season. Josh Gordon went to New England. He caught nearly a thousand yards in catching, and what nearly ten games, eleven games. Then ended up not being eligible, and he's suspended. He'll probably never play again. You think New England lets that bother him? Remember, I'm in Cleveland. We talked about Josh Gordon for five years, and the team was terrible. And there was always that hope because bad football teams or crumbling, nasty, infected football teams, they let wide receivers ruin their plans. Wide receivers are are useful products. They're useful pieces to a football team but they're on the outside looking in. You can't rely on wide receivers to be leaders, and you can't sit there and base everything you do around a wide receiver. You can't do it. The 49ers didn't have Jerry Rice. The Cardinals didn't even do it during their glory years. They had Larry Fitzgerald, and I'd leave Larry Fitzgerald with my kids right now. You want to talk about leadership, those are two of the best leaders at wide receivers who have ever played the game. Their teams didn't even allow them to do that. So I'm going to use Antonio Brown as some sort of an excuse for the Steelers? No. Absolutely not. 855-2124-CBS. I want to make picks. Tom Zim, I want to bring you guys in on this. You ready? We are ready. Let's go. Uh, do people care about my picks? I think they do, Ken. Do, do you, Really? I think if you had music underneath, they would. Because, well, okay. Well, we're, we'll, well, thanks for giving it away. Uh, I don't think people really care about picks. If you listen to sports talk radio, do you care about the host picks? Do any one of you really put money down? Like, okay, I'm going to put 100 down now on the Chargers because old Ken picked the Chargers to win in Foxborough. Does anybody do that? Your picks, yes. Nobody else's, though. Shut up. I'm being serious, Zim. No, Does anybody I don't, do that? I don't, I don't. Then why do we do it? Is it just something to fill? Is it just, okay, so now you know. Like, I'll do it just so people know where I stand. It, it's so, I think people do it so they come back and they can say they were right. But most of us are wrong. And then when we're wrong, none of us ever want to admit it. But nobody remembers. A lot of times you don't say you're wrong. You say when you're right on it. I, okay, but I, I've been wrong many, many times. I'll probably end up being wrong because I said the Patriots aren't going to the Super Bowl this year. And I, I judge that from the Steelers game that happened weeks ago. Uh, I'll probably end up being wrong about that. And I'll admit I'm wrong about that. And I might get called out. I've never been called out for Ken. You, you picked the, the Bengals plus six. Like I throttled. What are you doing? I've never, that's never happened. I don't think people care. Tom doesn't have any sort of a good answer. Zim doesn't have any sort of a good answer. I'll give you one. I mean, I think okay. a lot of people throw, I mean, a lot of people, who knows, 40% of NFL fans, a third. All right. Well, might throw some shekels on a game, have an option to throw. Based some. on what we say, though, based on well, what I say. You want to you wanna consider the opinions that are around and especially opinions that you respect. And in theory, you're a pretty uh, good mind on the NFL. And so your picks, somebody might. Um, want to hear your picks and consider them when they're making their decision. I think there are plenty of radio hosts around the country that nobody would ever uh, consider when using their own money, but I don't know that you're one of them, Ken. Okay, so who would? So you're just saying people don't care about my picks? No, I'm saying people do and should care about your picks. Other, there are other hosts. You know, you probably shouldn't take their advice. But on this show, really you're going to get pretty good advice. So if, I don't if you're know, thinking about it, you know, I, I don't know if I can back up those claims that they're going to get great advice. And I don't think I want guys calling in here going, Ken, you know, I put down, like if you, if you put down 20 bucks or whatever and you lost, you know what, sucks to be you. 
But if I get some call from some guy going, you know, I bet my next month's rent. I, I, I believe that strongly in what you say. And Kansas City got throttled, Ken. Yeah, that's crazy. What, Don't what do that. What are you going to do? Don't like, do I can't. I'm not Jimmy the Greek. I'm not Stu Finer over here. So no, you're I, just I, making, you're making good points. You know, you're I making just well-reasoned arguments. I'm fine, but I just believe that most of it is just a break for the host during football season where they do the segment. It's like, okay, I get, I get a segment off here. And we get to do the picks, but there's no real thinking and there's no real logic to it whatsoever. And if I get them wrong, no one's going to call me out anyway. Because people post up, hey, we were this, this, and this against the, against the spread on the, on the idiot show. And nobody cares. I don't think anybody cares. Nobody, nobody tweets at it. Nobody comments on their Facebook. I, I think it's an overrated type of thing. I, the only reason I'll make the picks is because I, I'll be on the record for them. That's it. Okay? All right? Okay. All right, I wanted some sort of an answer there. That's what I was wanting. So I, did, you, okay. I didn't know if you were done. You got the music ready? Play the music. Well, the music's low. You got to turn the music up, baby. There we go. Now it is. Now we're feeling good. All right, which one you guys want to start with? Later on today, 4 o'clock at Kansas City, Indianapolis. Wait, you got to do it in Mitch Holtis style, boys, Okay. Tom, I'll let you make a pick, too. Zim, I'm feeling charitable. I'll let you make a pick, too. Indianapolis at Kansas City. What's the spread on this, Tom? What is it? Five and a half points. Kansas City still, is favored at home. It's still, still five and a half. All right. Uh, mm, <sighs> Indianapolis is just a house of fire right now. You know I love Andrew Luck. They're on the road. It's in Kansas City. Mahomes has been great. I'm thinking more towards the future than I am in this game, and I think that that's a trap. I'm going to take Patrick Mahomes. I'll take Kansas City and the Chiefs. I'll take him to win this game, and I'll lay the five. Is it five and a half or five? Five? You can find either way. You can go All with right. five. That's I'll fine. take. I'll take five and a half. All right, five and a half. I'll lay the five and a half. What the hell? Tom? I really like points in the playoffs, particularly when I like a team to win outright. I think this is a terrible matchup for the Chiefs. I feel awful for them. They have a horrendous secondary, and they're getting a red-hot Andrew Luck coming into town. Maybe the snow completely changes the game. Maybe, but I'm taking the Colts and the points today. Ooh, Zim! Yeah, I'm with Tom. Give me the points. Colts run the ball much better than people give them credit for. I think Marlon Mack you know, does a great job behind that offensive line, and... Andrew Luck, hottest quarterback on the planet right now. Give me the Colts. See, now I have less confidence in my own pick. You see, this is how this works now. I'll be All wrong. Right. Don't worry about it. This one in L.A. at the Coliseum. Rams laying seven against the Dallas Cowboys. I smell a trap. Tom, who are you taking? This is my riskiest pick of the weekend. I'm going to take the touchdown and the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think they win this wow. game, but I do think they play a real tough one. I'm a big believer in the Cowboys, though, and it probably gets burned today. I think it's going to be a grind of a game, though. Wow. Oh, Zim, what do you got? I might shock you here. I I love the Rams. I think they're going to smack Dallas around. I think they'll win by 10-plus. So give, give me. Why? Give Why? Me the, because I, I think Dak, to me, still hasn't been able to prove that he can he can win a game by himself. He he's been able to manage games and you know do a good job of keeping them in games, but it, they're going to have to score some points in this game. And, and I because I think the Rams are going to score at least twenty eight, if not more. And I just I just don't see the Cowboys doing that. I think they're going to fall behind 
early, and then you know Cowboys offense is not known for explosive plays. Uh, I I just I I love the Rams minus seven. Ken, here's one for you, you dirty pigs. How great is Todd Todd Gurley in this game? Is he gonna? How healthy is he gonna be? I think I think he's gonna be very healthy. That he's is gonna the be, question. I don't think he's gonna look right, Ken. All right, if he's not at optimum health, and I'm betting he's not gonna be on at, at optimum health, I'm gonna take Dallas to cover. Sean McVay, it doesn't matter. You win by one, I don't care. Sean McVay wins this playoff game, then we can stop already with this playoff foolishness about Sean McVay. If he loses it, you can now you can really get it started up. Imagine a, if he loses it, Ken. Yeah. If uh, they had another great regular season and they lose again, we're, we're it's not Schottenheimer here, but you, people league, are gonna wonder. The whole league just hired children because yep. they know McVay. Yep. If he goes zero and yep. two in the playoffs, Tom, wow, baby, wow. Tom, I love it. You're right. They did. They all hired kiddies. All because of Sean McVay. They all want the Wonderkins. They all want that guy. You know what? I'm still. I'm gonna take Dallas to cover. If Todd Gurley's not healthy, t- Sean McVay is not a wizard. They got to be able to run the ball, and he's good at scheming and running the football. Sean McVay's great at it. But if, if Todd Gurley is not at a hundred percent. I'll take Dallas to cover the number. I don't know if I'm going to pick Dallas to win. I think I'm still going to take the Rams to win. But I'll take Dallas to cover the touchdown. At New England, tomorrow afternoon, 105 kickoff at Gillette. Patriots laying four against the L.A. Chargers. Is this going to be on CBS? Jim Nance, Tony Romo, Tracy Wolfson. Oh, my goodness. The stars have a line, friendo. Tom, who do you got? I've been back and forth on this all week. I want it so bad to be the Chargers. I really thought all season the Chargers were going to win this game. They haven't played well in a month, particularly Phillip Rivers. I don't trust them. Four points is not that much. Brady is fresh. I'm taking New England to cover the four points and win this game. Ooh, that's a sensual choice, my friend. Let's get to Zim. Zim, what do you got? Chargers plus four. They'll be able to run the ball. Weather's not going to be an issue. And we'll finally see the holes in the Patriots' defense that – you know, we saw glimpses of this season and we're waiting for it to happen. And now we're finally here. We'll see it. Chargers plus four. <sighs> My head is telling me New England. My heart. And if the, if you're the size I am, it's got to be oversized, right? So I have my enlarged heart wants to take the Chargers because I love the fighting bolo ties. <laughs> I'm going to take New England. I'm going to lay the four. I got to go with my head. I'm going to take the Patriots at home. I don't think they lose this game at home. I'll take the Patriots at home. I'll lay the four. New Orleans in the Dome, 4.40 p.m. Eastern time. This one on Fox. Joe Buck on Fox giving away eight against Philadelphia. Tom? What say you, friend? I am one of the people that believes the Saints are the best team in the NFL. I also believe they will be playing for the Super Bowl. However, I don't think they will blow out the Eagles for a second time. I think this is lower scoring than people may anticipate. You get eight points to pick the Eagles. I will take the eight points with the Eagles today. Tomorrow, Zim! Sorry. Zim! I'm, I'm loving the points here in favor of the Saints. I mean, I, I think I think they win. It's similar to the you're gonna Rams. Lay, you're going to leave that meat on that bone? Eight? It's it's similar to the Cowboys and Rams. Although Foles has proven it, I think you know at, at some point the glass slipper is going to either break, get stolen. It's no longer going to fit on Nick Foles. Give me Saints minus eight. I'll take Philadelphia to cover, but I think they come up short. Eight is just a big, s- sexy number, and I can't. No, I can't do it. I can't do it. I have to go. I have to go with Philadelphia. I have to. I have to take the eight. 
And I, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop with Nick Foles, too, you guys. I really am. I, I, I come, I, and I've been asked this question already, Wentz or Foles. I, I can't say what I would do because it would be everything. Yeah, you go, you get your franchise quarterback. And I know I'm going to have to make a, make a choice if I'm, good, if I'm doing this. I have to make a choice between the two. I guess I would still stick with Wentz. As injured as, he, as he's been, I, I don't think – I know Foles won last week, and I know Foles got him to the playoffs. He won a Super Bowl last year, but I still think it's Foles gold for whatever reason. I just do. I just think it's Foles gold. I think at times the rest of the Eagles watching them with Carson Wentz, I think they look at it and they go, they take a little bit off because they play with Carson Wentz and because he's talented. I think they mind their P's and Q's more, and I think everybody is just more focused with Nick Foles because he's not what Carson Wentz is. I think it's dangerous to hand Nick Foles the keys. I would still pick with Carson Wentz. But for this game, I'll pick Philadelphia to cover the number on the track in New Orleans. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, nope, Notre Dame didn't learn any lesson, and Dabo Sweeney is more impressive than Nick Saban. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is the Ken Carmen Show. Gary Myers coming up in less than about 10 minutes. By the way, they're only two wins away from heading to the Super Bowl. Who will it be? Perennial contenders, the New England Patriots, led by the legendary Tom Brady, or will Phillip Rivers and the Los Angeles Chargers punch their ticket to the AFC Championship game? The action kicks off with the NFL Today, powered by Ram Trucks at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific on CBS, home of Super Bowl 53. 855-2124-CBS. Notre Dame didn't learn any lesson. And Dabo Sweeney's more impressive than Nick Saban. You win two national championships at Clemson, Alabama. Nick Saban is great. Nick Saban is one of the grandfathers, the best coaches that ever have lived, who have ever been in football. It's absolutely 100% true. But impressive? I got to tell you, I'm more impressed with Dabo Sweeney. You go back to 1981 And what happened after the national championship with Clemson? What happened with mm, certain benefits, certain sanctions? Let's call it what it is. Clemsoning was a term for a reason. It's hard to win consistently, and I mean at a high level. Clemson's always had a good college football program. I'm not saying that they were garbage before Dabo Sweeney showed up. But to win at that level, to compete at that level, and to dismantle the University of Alabama. Nick Saban is the greatest, but Dabo Sweeney's more impressive. You're at a place like Alabama, there is history. I know he resurrected after the the mess that was DeBose and Shula and Price for a month until he went to a strip club. I, I know that he was able to resurrect that. But you go to a place like Alabama, Paul Bear Bryant, Gene Stallings carries it over, even though it ended not too great with Gene Stallings. You have a baseline with Alabama. You have a baseline in the SEC. You have a place where grandfathers wanted their kids to go at times. For Clemson, the national championship they had in 1981, people say that road to that was paved with dirty money. I know that a lot of national championships are paid with dirty money. I get that. But for what Dabo Sweeney's done with that program, where you go from quote-unquote Clemsoning to being the dominant program, to being a dynasty, to being right there in parity with the University of Alabama, to pass up Urban Meyer, it's more impressive for what Dabo Sweeney has done. For Notre Dame, 
for Oklahoma, Oklahoma will be back. Lincoln Riley will be back. I'm perfectly fine with it. For Notre Dame, for everybody and their brother who is saying that they learned a lesson, what lesson do they need to learn? About joining a conference? Please. They're the only team in major college football that absolutely, major, major college football, because you're going to give me UCF and I'm going to tell you to stick it, in major, major college football that has to go undefeated. They have to. If they go 11-1, and they're not getting into the college football playoff. They have to go undefeated. They went undefeated. They got boat raced. I thought they might keep it close. I undervalued Clemson. I was wrong about that. But to say that they're learning a lesson, why? They're the only team that has to go undefeated. They're on national television every single week. Ohio State can't even say that. Oklahoma can't even say that. Oklahoma, gosh, they have a pay-per-view game. Alabama can't say that. Notre Dame can. Some way, somehow, they're on national television. They make national TV dollars every single week. And to say that they're going to have to join a conference, what, when they go to eight games or when they go to eight teams? Okay, then that that means that they'll just be able to get in with one loss now. Now you're going to make it easier. Either way, they make money. They get into the postseason. They're the only ones who have to go undefeated every single year. They went out. They've embarrassed themselves over their last few games. They didn't learn anything. And overall, I know there was a lot of griping and moaning in Big Ten country, and even in Georgia, the committee overall got it right. Clemson played a wonderful game, beat the brakes off Alabama, and now it probably sets up Alabama-Clemson again. Coming up next year, 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, Gary Myers, author, New York Daily News, NFL writer. We'll talk about his new book and the playoffs. This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855-2124-CBS. Five burning questions coming up at 1220 p.m. Eastern time. Also, Yeah, coming up around noon. I'm not trying to tell Kyler Murray how to live, but it might be time to be a grown-up. All that coming up, and we'll go over the playoffs, but right now we go to the hotline, and we welcome on one of the best authors. We have him on a few times, and every time it's great. Uh, Wrote the book about Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. uh, New York Times bestselling author, formerly New York Daily News, Dallas Morning News, the whole shebang. Gary Myers joins us on the show. Find him on Twitter, at GaryMyersNY. Gary, thanks for joining us again, my friend. How are you doing this morning, Ken? Well, you are full-time author. You're cranking these books out, and they're all amazing, buddy. i got to tell you. Now, this one, how about them Cowboys inside the huddle with the stars and legends of America's team? What inspired the book? Then tell me about the book, obviously, itself, friend. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I spent eight years in Dallas um, covering the Cowboys for the Dallas Morning News, which was probably the best time I had in my life professionally. It was just it was a great time to uh, a great newspaper war going on. So um, it, it was very intense and I, I learned so much. And so I've always really enjoyed writing about the Cowboys and moving back to New York in 1989 and, and the Cowboys um, winning three championships, not soon after that, not long after that. Um, you know, I was still writing a lot about them, but the inspiration for this book was really how is a team that hasn't been to Super Bowl in 23 years, now worth $5 billion, and it's still the most popular team in the world, you know, isn't winning supposed to translate into value and popularity? And, and so it was really to kind of explore this phenomenon. And then as I was doing my research, I just got into a whole bunch of different things. I spent five hours with Jerry Jones over three different sessions and times, you know, significant time with his three kids who were all very involved in the operation and then with Witten and Romo. And so I kind of made it an all-inclusive book about things that really interested me about the Cowboys. And because I think I've always been pretty good at knowing what my readers are interested in, 
Um, I think this is a book that's it's really appealing because whether you love the Cowboys or hate them, there's something in there that will appeal to you either why it's been so long that they've been in a Super Bowl or what is it about them that they've been able to maintain being America's team despite the lack of success on the field. So uh, I, I really had a lot of fun researching it and writing it and, and reconnecting with a lot of people that I knew when I was in Dallas. How much time did you spend with Jerry Jones? A total of five hours over three different sessions. So if you know Jerry, you know I got in about five or six questions. <laughs> How do you? Well, don't take this the wrong way, don't? Because when, yeah. when I heard when I heard an interview, and then I, I talked to you about the the Peyton Manning Tom Brady book. Now I know Peyton uh-huh. Manning's tough to, ra- to wrangle down. Weren't you riding around in a car with Tom Brady for a while? Yeah, that that was uh, that was probably the most unique interview that I've done. That uh, we drove from Gillette Stadium to downtown Boston, where he was living at the time, and he was driving. And I was a little wary of doing that because, you know, how much is, is a guy really going to be able to answer your questions with any depth to them if he's concentrating on driving? Mm-hmm. But I was told that's how he does all his conference calls with the, each week with the visiting writers, and he was really good at it. And if I did it that way, I would get more time with him than if I just sat in, say, a meeting room where he'd be looking at his watch, looking to get home to his kids. So I said, okay, fine. So I was really, you know, Ken, I was rooting for, like, the worst traffic jam in history. <laughs> so I had more time with him. Well, we spent about an hour doing that, and then we just sat in the car for a little bit before he, um, we said goodbye. And, uh, yeah, so one hour with Tom was, was great, and then I had some follow-up interviews with him as well. Peyton, unfortunately, uh, when I went out to Denver, found it in uh, his heart or whatever to give me a full 20 minutes. Which I heard that's basically like four hours with him. Well, I, you know, I had a feeling it wasn't going to be great. Uh-huh. And, um, I mean, we can get into a whole conversation about, I mean, I, I knew both of them very well, Peyton better before I started that project. And I can dispel the myth really quickly that Peyton's the greatest guy going. And Tom is this reclusive, arrogant guy. Oh, it's the exact uh, opposite. Isn't it? Very quickly. Yeah. It's the from what we hear and from what and hearing your account, it's basically the exact opposite. That while one guy does insurance commercials and very down to earth stuff, and the other guy does Bovada watches, it's basically the exact opposite. Is one guy's going to give you time? I I'm just amazed, honestly, Gary. I really am. Gary Myers joining us on the show. That a lot of other writers with Jerry Jones with Tom Brady as as open as they can be, they'll be told to pound sand. You get access unlike anybody else. Like, nobody else is getting 20 minutes, even with Peyton Manning. It, does that come over time, or is there a secret to it where guys just trust you? What is it? Well, I think I would have gotten more time with Peyton had a few months earlier after they lost 43-8 to to the Seahawks at the Super Bowl here in New York. If when he was doing his group interview after the game, I didn't ask him if he was embarrassed by the team's performance, <laughs> and his face got red, the veins were bulging from his neck, and he, he was really mad at me. And the, the interesting thing is that a bunch of his teammates had just finished saying that they were embarrassed by how they played. And I thought it was kind of a softball question considering they just lost by 35 points. But no uh, I, I think he kind of carried a grudge against me and, you know, gave me those 20 minutes um, against his will. 
because I believe Patrick Smythe, who's a terrific PR guy for the Broncos, had told Peyton that I had already spent a lot of time with Brady and he can't let Brady's voice carry the book. So he convinced Peyton to spend some time with me, although it wasn't a lot. But um, the way I do it, I guess, you know, I've, doing, I've been doing this for a very long time. I think I treat people fairly and with respect. And, um, you know, there's still, there's still room for that in this business in the day and age of social media and hot takes and trying to be first and not worrying if you're right that I, I've kind of maintained my, my standards that I've had all these years. And, um, and, and it's, it pays off on the big projects. And I was there when Jerry bought the team of all the people currently in the media. I know him longer than anybody because like I said, I was there February 25th, 1989, the Saturday night massacre press conference in at, at Valley ranch when they announced he was buying the team and he had the most brutal press conference I've ever sat through He's getting attacked by members of the media. but And then I moved back to New York about four months later. But I maintained a good relationship with Jerry and especially with Jimmy. Jimmy and I became pretty good friends. And then we worked together on Inside the NFL and HBO for a couple of years after he left the Cowboys. So uh, they've, all, they've both been really open and honest to me over the years. And, um, and then Stephen w- was just invaluable to me uh, in this, with this book because – when people get a chance to read the chapter, I think it's the second to last chapter in the book about Jerry as a general manager. Stephen took me right inside the draft room. I mean, literally giving me the play by play of what happened when Johnny Menzel was on the board, when the Cowboys were picking in the first round in 2014 and how Jerry went around the room begging, I mean, begging with everybody there to side with him on Manziel. And when he realized he was on a complete, he was on Manziel Island, Manziel Island there. He's the only one who wanted him. <laughs> and how, how Jerry gave in um, against, very stubbornly. But the play-by-play that Stephen gave me, I think, really provides, I think it's typical of what I have in this book, and I don't mean to pat myself on the back, but um, there's really a lot of behind-the-scenes, inside stuff about the Cowboys that despite how much people have read about the Cowboys over the years, I promise you, you're going to learn things by reading my book because as much as I thought I knew about the Cowboys going into the project, I learned things uh, in doing the interviews. Well, the Manziel story alone will solve the book. Gary Myers joining us on the show. That's amazing. You find the thing on Amazon, basically anywhere books are sold. It's fantastic. Again, the name of the book, How About Them Cowboys, Inside the Huddle with the Stars and Legends of America's Team, New York Times bestselling author Gary Myers with us on the show at Gary Myers NY. I only have a couple, so I want to ask you, yeah. Uh, of of today's NFL, how much is it changing right before our eyes where we're looking at different quarterbacks, different offensive schemes, and, and we're starting to see maybe some, not older coaches, I don't want to be an ageist, but guys who are more, archaic's a rough word, but I'm going to use it, archaic in their thinking, really getting exposed this last year with, with seven-step drops, classic pocket throws, where it's kind of not that way anymore with a lot of these young guys. Right, and I think that may have been a factor in Mike McCarthy not getting the Jets job is that they were really looking for somebody with fresh ideas. And despite the fact that he has a, a Super Bowl trophy on his resume, it wasn't enough to overcome Adam Gase being a 40 year old guy with lots of new ideas, but a losing record over three years in Miami. So I, I think that backs up your point, Ken. But one thing, one point I do want to make. Yes. And why I find this weekend so fascinating is that last weekend the Cowboys scored the most points of any team 
uh, of the four games. They only scored 24 points. But now, like the big boys come in, the, the teams that got the bye, and three of those teams, the Saints, the Rams, and the Chiefs, were scoring points at, at record paces for, for parts of the season. And to me, the way to win in January has always been play defense, stop the run, and run the ball. And that's been the formula forever. We'll know if there's really a new NFL now where it's a complete passing league and it's just going to be like a video game. Let's see what happens to the Saints, the Rams, um, um, and the Chiefs this weekend. And not only do they win, but how many points do they score? And if they win in the 40s, and they win 40, say, you know, 42 to 30 or something like that, or, you know, something like 42, 31 or whatever, then we'll know that things have really changed. But if those teams lose low-scoring games or if they win low-scoring games, then you know that during the season, okay, it's a video game during the season. But when it gets down to the single elimination games, it's the old-school football that still wins. So I think this weekend will tell us a lot about that. Awesome. Gary, I thank you very much for the time. People, they need to go out and get the book, the brand new one on the Dallas Cowboys. You can find it on Amazon again called How About Them Cowboys Inside the Huddle with the Stars and Legends of America's Team. Gary, thank you for the time. Hope to run you down again when you come out with the next book, sir. Thank you very much. Terrific. Thanks a lot, Ken. Thank you. Gary Myers joining us on the show. One of the best. One of the absolute best. 855-212-4CBS. Again, find him on Twitter at GaryMyersNY. I give the Cowboys a hard time. I did not know that story where he was walking around begging people for Johnny Manziel. Which, for Jerry Jones, and I've put this on Jerry Jones before with the Cowboys. Obviously, today's a every game they play in the playoffs is a franchise-changing game for them. Because if you win, you get another week of a reprieve. It doesn't work like that, basically, with any other team. Maybe the Patriots. But the Patriots' success over the last 20 years has been so strong, you really can't look at it the other way. The Cowboys lose today, and it immediately flips back to the most negative switch you can find. Jerry's too involved. Jason Garrett is overrated. They need to fire him. Dak Prescott's overrated. Zeke Elliott's a problem. Offensive line sucks. The whole thing. Oh, weak division as well. That's what's at stake for Dallas. No other team has that at their hands. 855-2124-CBS. Five burning questions coming up in just over 20. Up next, it's time for Kyler Murray to be a grown-up. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.